Hello. I love you all, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share the word of God with you. Give you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I entitled this message, Jesus Christ, our BFF, even in the margins. Excuse me. For those who may not know, best friend forever. Did I get it right? I come to you uh, with two scriptures, and if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. And then if you can have the second scripture in readiness, like hold your finger one place, go to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Again, that's Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you can keep both of those scriptures in readiness, I'm reading from Amplified, but it doesn't matter what, what version of the Bible is inspired by the word of God. Amen? Let us pray. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name, amen. As we share these two scriptures, I am going to ask you to consider what the two passages of scripture have in common. Consider what they have in common. Let's go to the gospel according to John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. Um, let's pick up at verse 6. As you know, the chapter opens, Christ is on his way from Judea to Galilee, and en route there, he stops at Jacob's well. And there he meets a Samaritan woman. Picking up at the sixth verse. So Jesus tired as he was on his journey, sat down at the well. It was there about the six-hour noon time. Then a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman asked him, how is it that you, being a Jew, Ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. For Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus answered to her, saying, If you knew about God's gift of eternal life and who it is who says, Give me a drink, you would ask him instead, and he would have given you living water, eternal life. She said to him, Sir, I have nothing, or rather you have nothing to draw from, no bucket or rope, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Jesus simply answered, everyone who drinks water from this well will be thirsty, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will thirst no more. But the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, 
satisfying his thirst for God, welling up, continually flowing, bubbling up inside of him to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I might not thirst anymore. And Jesus said, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I do not have a husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, You do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the man you are now living with is not your husband. You have said this truthfully. The woman looked at him and said, I see you are a prophet. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, the Christ, the anointed one. Jesus said to her, I am who speak to you. I am he, the Messiah. Join me in the book of Luke, chapter 10. Now remember, you're going to compare these two scriptures to see what they have in common. Join me in Luke, chapter 10. It's the familiar passage of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to pick up at the 30th verse. But as you know, the backdrop for the story, a certain lawyer asked Jesus how he might inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, well, keep the two love commandments. Love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. The lawyer wanted to know, well, who is my neighbor? So we'll pick up at the 30th verse. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he encountered robbers who stripped him of his clothes, his belongings, beat him, and went about their way, leaving him half dead. Now, by coincidence, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, a religious man, was coming down the road to the place and saw the man, and he passed on the other side of the road. And then came a Samaritan, a foreigner, who was traveling, came upon the beaten man, and when he saw him, he was deeply moved with compassion for him. And he went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine over them to soothe and disinfect the injuries. And he put him on his own pack animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Then Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to the man who encountered the robbers? And the lawyer said, well, the one who showed compassion and mercy to him. Jesus said to the attorney, go and constantly do the same. What do these two stories have in common? Well, let's explicate them very briefly. In 
both stories, we see the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus includes not only the religious folks, but those might be religious or not, but who are disenfranchised are those in the margins of life. And quite frankly, if we live long enough, brothers and sisters in Christ, we will experience life in the margins of some kind. Amen? In the story of the Samaritan woman, Jesus offers her eternal life through God in spite of her moral transgressions. And in spite of the fact that she was a woman and a Samaritan. In other words, though it was culturally unacceptable for him to be in the presence of the Samaritan woman, Christ validates her by modeling the Father's agape love for her. I'm reminded in an experiment of love, if you've not read it, a wonderful read, by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., the Reverend Dr. King. King argues that agape love means redeeming goodwill for all men. In Four Seasons, C.S. Lewis posits, love to love is to be vulnerable. To love is to be vulnerable. Christ allows the Samaritan woman that day at that intersection of life to be both vulnerable and transparent as he frees her to experience agape love, a love without conditions, a love that she did not have to buy a love that she didn't have to do a trick for, a love that looked beyond her faults and met her at her point of need. A redeeming kind of love. Jesus also demonstrates that God does not give up on any of us. So look at your neighbor, because you're all looking at me, and you're being attentive. Look at your neighbor. Okay, I had to have a Dr. Trinism. Okay. Look, look at your neighbor and say, God will not give up on you. Turn to the other side and look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God will not give up on you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. For we are God's handiwork. Sounds familiar? And we were created by God to do good works for him. Paul reminds us of this in Ephesians 2.10. And this just happens to be our what? Our verse of the year, praise God. You are precious 
in his sight. When I was a child, I remember um, singing, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. He loves you. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. The woman had the encounter of an unusual kind that day. And the man she thought she was going to have to give something to, water in this case, actually gave her a new life. Praise God. In the story of the Good Samaritan, let's talk a little bit about that one, please. Christ could have used any person of charitable character in this parable. You realize that, right? He could have used any person in this story. Because after all, it is a parable. Amen? However, Christ chose a Samaritan, not a priest, respectfully, or a Levite, but a Samaritan as the one who helps the man beaten and left for dead. An unlikely hero, a Samaritan. Sometimes this teaches us that sometimes God's generosity is reflected in people we least expect. Hmm. Oh, but remember, God is not a respecter of persons. As Peter reminds us in Acts 10:34, but a purpose. You hear this quite often, your design for a purpose, you're here on assignment, but it is the truth. And if I had time, I would explicate that through several scriptures. Praise God. But go to the word of God. If you ever get into a low spot and wonder why you are here, why on earth you are here, go to the word of God and align yourself up with who he says you are. So as we look at the generosity of God and see how he moves in the hearts of people, no respect of person, it reminds me of Madeline Lingle's point in Walking on Water when she makes this point um, in wonderful read, by the way, um, simply by saying, in a very real sense, not one of us is qualified, but it seems that God continually uses the most unqualified to do his work to bear his glory. If you can accomplish the vision, perhaps the vision is too small. Amen? 
If you can accomplish the vision, perhaps it's just too small. Now understand me when I say that. Whatever we're assigned to do, it doesn't matter what it may look like. It may look small, but in God's eyes, it's great because it's a vision for your life. But if the vision happens to be bigger than you can imagine it, covet it in prayer with God and a few safe prayer partners, right, who will speak into your life. But don't underestimate the power of God at work in your life. Everyone in here. Amen? So I want to, in my 10 minutes remaining, talk about some more applications for Scripture. A sermon would not be complete if you can't make applications. Because if not, you'll wonder, well, okay, we get it. Jesus is cool. He's our best friend forever. Okay. But how does that help me today? I'm glad you asked. Here are some takeaways. One, look for opportunities to be the Good Samaritan on this campus and in this community. Look for opportunities, and that might start with your roommate. Praise God. Praise God. It may start in your class with your professors and your peers. But find a way to be a good Samaritan on this campus. That could simply be a greeting to someone you don't know. Praying with someone. Having a meal with someone. Buying a meal. Whatever it looks like. Be open to being that good Samaritan. And trust me, God will find many opportunities for you to witness his love. Two, live by the two great commandments. Love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. And the second commandment is what? Let's say it together. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Three. And, and that's an action word, by the way. Three. Seek opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. I would be foolish to think that on a Christian college campus that all of us have received Christ as our personal Savior. I know that's not the case. Are you open to sharing the good news of the gospel? Whether it's your roommate or someone in a classroom? Are you comfortable boldly praying for someone? Sharing the gospel is what we're called to do, to make disciples. There is discipleship that needs to happen on this campus. And you have a role to play in that. You, we have a role to play in that. For 
if you have not received Christ. As your personal Savior, I know from experience, it is the greatest decision you will ever make in your lifetime. Please take advantage of the fertile soil on this campus and be open to the invitation for Christian discipleship. Our Dean of Chapel is right here in the front, and I know he has an amazing team. And I'm sure he would love to have tea or coffee with you, meet you at Macon or in Baldwin. Um, but don't miss out on an opportunity. And personally, my office is in Elder, second floor, 220B. I would love to talk to you about that. Please don't leave this university if you not, have not surrendered your life without giving some sincere time as hard as you're studying to get your education, which is critical. Don't forget. forget your salvation. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity we have as your children. For you use for you use all of us if we're just open vessels. Doesn't matter the cost. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here today. And just as Christ had the encounter with the Samaritan woman, it should not have happened culturally. It was out of norm. He penetrated the culture and he loved the culture love love and it's that kind of love Holy Spirit that we're asking you to work through us that as disciples of Jesus that we can love people just simply love without conditions love shouldn't cost anything it just is. And for those, Lord, who are here, who uh, are pondering the thought of what that might look like through Christian discipleship, help us to be sensitive to those inquiries and make ourselves available because we don't want to miss an opportunity just as Christ modeled for us on his way back to Galilee. And Father, we ask that like the Good Samaritan, we would daily look for opportunities 
to do your will and to do good toward others on this campus, across this community, this state, this nation, and around the world because you are a big God. A big God. We love you. We praise you. And Father, on a personal level, we just love these students. Help us to serve them with open hearts, open minds. Train them in your word as we train them in our disciplines. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Christ's name, and we say together, amen, and thank God.